0: If you haven't met, I'm Caitlin, and I'm an intern here in the youth ministry at Yorkie. So this week we're continuing on in our series with Jonah. So last week we heard from Tim, who shared a message on Jonah chapter one, highlighting the importance of attitude when we know what God wants, but we do the opposite. And this morning we heard from the two, two of our interns, Jess and Mervin. Um but yeah, Um, When I was about four years old, my family went on a little trip to Queensland and to all the theme parks, as you do, the Gold Coast, and we had a great time. But one day we were at SeaWorld, looking in the souvenir shops all there. Um, My mum had told me to stay with her, obviously, as a four-year-old, but I was so invested in looking at the toys and all the bracelets and jewelry and stuff, as a little girl does. I was so fixated on what I wanted that I didn't even realize that my family was leaving the shop. Um, they soon realized that I wasn't with them, with them, and they started searching around the shop for me. But The shop had multiple entrances and exits, and I'd had wandered out one of the exits while they were looking around for me. So I'd gone like halfway across the theme park and found two nice strangers who helped me out. <laughs> um, but yeah, my family, I was reunited with them, all good, but yeah. I was so caught up in what I wanted that I disregarded what my mum said, even though she knew what was best for me and had my best interest at heart. I became apathetic and ignorant to what was going on around me, and it resulted in a couple of shed tears. (laughs) Um, We're gonna hear during this message a little story, a little bit familiar, similar, um, which is the story of Jonah. So for those of you who weren't with us last week, let's get into the backstory of Jonah. The book of Jonah is unique in it being a book about a prophet rather than a book of prophecy. Jonah is mentioned one other time in the Bible in 2 Kings 14, 23-25, which is where we learn that Jonah is from the city of Gath-hepher. So while we know Jonah, we probably know it as a children's story, Jonah and the whale, but Jonah is far, far more than that. In fact, the fish is only mentioned in three verses in the entire book. So let's not just focus on the fish, as most people do in this story. It's an extremely rich book, even though it's only four chapters. It's de- uh, intricate with detail and references. And today we're gonna have a little, little look at chapter one, but also just focus on chapters two and three, and put these into four chronologically ordered points. So within Jonah, we read how Jonah is presented with God's call which shortly follows Jonah's actions contradicting his claims and his identity. The fish swallows Jonah and the immense mercy of God is shown to Jonah. And finally, we see that um, God is shown to be the God of second chances. Throughout the story, we see Jonah sin over and over and do some pretty bad things, but it's important to keep in mind as we go through the book of Jonah that we're not superior to Jonah. If we think ourselves above Jonah, we make the same mistake that Jonah put himself above God's plan and the truth. Jonah's story helps shine a light into our and a mirror into our lives and God's work within them. So the points we're going to go through tonight, Jonah is presented with God's call. Cool. Jonah contradicts his actions, uh, his claims and identity with his actions. God's immense mercy on Jonah. God is the God of second chances. But before we dive in tonight, I want to sit, us to all sit with the Holy Spirit throughout the message and ask God what he wants to teach us individually and as a church. But before we dive in, let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you'll just give us the ears to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. I pray and thank you for who you are and that we're able to gather tonight. But yeah, I just pray that we can just listen to what you want us to hear and take away, Lord. Yeah. Amen. All right, Jonah is presented with God's call. In Jonah 1, we read that the God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach a message to the people there, the Ninevites. Jonah 1.1 1, 1 says, the Lord gave this message to, this, to Jonah, son of Amittai. So Jonah's name in Hebrew means dove, which symbolizes a messenger, along with innocence and purity. We see a dove being used as a messenger first in the the book of Genesis 8.11 when the dove came as a messenger um, of good news to Noah to tell him that the waters on the earth had gone away after the flood. Jonah is definitely not one who brings good news in this story and is not a messenger of God for most of the story. Amittai in Hebrew means faithfulness which means this verse is translated to Dove, son of faithfulness. This is a bit ironic, as Jonah's first response to God's commandment was not to fulfill the task the very definition of his name suggests, but instead contradict the meaning of his actual name. The direction God gave to Jonah is laid out in verse 2. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and now it's my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Jonah is presented with a decision to follow God or follow his own path. He is called to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, to preach to them to turn from their ways of wickedness. So Assyria is located where modern-day Iraq is found now. The town where Jonah was from, Gathifa, Bordered on the edge of ancient Israel, which made the Ninevites enemies to Jonah's people. Nahum 3.1 tells us about the city of Nineveh. What sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies? She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Although the events of the book of Nahum occur after the book of Jonah, it's still true in its description about the city of Nineveh. The Ninevites were an evil city of people who would skin alive their enemies as a warning to them. They would gouge out their eyes and cut off their ears and noses to send a warning to their enemies. The Ninevites were very, very evil and destructive people. They deserved the destruction that God asked Jonah to warn them about. Their sin made them due for God's judgment upon them. Verse 3 of Jonah chapter 1 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So last week, Tim explained, if you're here, the extent of this distance. So Joppa to Tarshish was over 4,000 kilometres in distance where God only called Jonah to go about 1,000 kilometers. So in Jonah's disobedience, he kind of quadrupled the trip that he had to go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, ultimately, we see that Jonah wants nothing to do with Nineveh and nothing to do with God's plan or the call that God has on Jonah's life as a prophet. Jonah's pride prevents his participation in being a part of God's plan and the movements of God to the people around him. Jonah's pride is in thinking that he can escape from God and that his plans are better than God's. Jonah contradicts his actions with his identity. So last week we heard about the events after Jonah stepped onto the ship to Tarshish. God sent a huge storm whilst they were travelling, which was big enough to break apart the entire ship. Whilst all of this was going on, Jonah was sleeping under the boat. Um, Because of Jonah's disobedience, he made himself apathetic to the movements of God around him, which we can also see through the symbolism of him being ignorant, ignorant and apathetic to his physical surroundings during the storm as he was sleeping. Not only this, but he was ignorant to God and he was determined to stay ignorant. The storm was a movement of God, a message to Jonah about the importance of obedience as well as Jonah's value to God. God used this storm as means of chasing after his child. God chases us as his children as well. When we aren't walking in step with God and following his ways, we can go off track really quickly. And when we do this, we can also become apathetic to the movements of God and the ways that he's working in and around us. It's so important to be walking in step with the Lord So that we're aware of how he is moving and where he is calling us. So the fearful pagan sailors on this ship cried out to false pagan gods that they followed. But still the storm continued. They asked Jonah to call on his God. Then they cast lots and identified that it was Jonah who was causing the trouble for the storm to happen. Verse 8, the sailors asked Jonah, Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? And what is your nationality? Jonah replied in verse 9. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Jonah said he was a worshipper of the Lord, but his disobedient actions contradicted this. Romans 12:1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because of all that he has done for you let them be a living and a holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him romans 12 tells us that worship isn't just singing songs in church but it is giving our bodies to god as a vessel for him to use and jonah was certainly not doing this jonah's actions did not align with his identity The sailors tried rowing harder and harder to try and get to the shore, but they eventually threw Jonah into the sea, which which calmed the storm. He could have easily asked the sailors to turn around the boat and go back towards Nineveh, but instead he was thrown into the ocean. By not going to Nineveh, we see that Jonah would rather die than obey God and go to his enemies. The prophet Jonah claims to worship and fear God but through his actions, we see that he doesn't. Verse 16 says, The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. We see these pagans coming to fear and worship the Lord after seeing God's immense power, but still Jonah's actions do not align with who he says he is. God shows his immense mercy to Jonah. Chapter 1, verse 17 says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. But before diving into this point, we're going to give some backstory to the significance of the fish. It was a sign of God's power over false gods. So the Ninevites, they worshipped a pagan god, Dagon, who was the god of the fish. But ultimately, this revealed God's power over false gods the Ninevites were Him. God's power was highlighted by proving through the Ninevites that the true God of the sea and of everything is Yahweh our God. And we can see this through the way that the fish listens to the commands of God, but doesn't listen to the commands of the pagan god, Dagon, who was the God of this area, the God of the fish. We see that this had no power over the God of the world. Anyone reading this would quite logically think that it is the end for Jonah, being inside of a fish. It is not normal for a person to be inside of a fish, alive for three days and three nights, but Jonah lived. What seemed like a punishment was God's immense grace being shown to Jonah. Jonah turned his back on God. However, God never turned his back on Jonah. God could have definitely killed Jonah using the big fish or just left him in the ocean, but he showed his grace to him and preserved his life. Jonah sinned by not not being obedient to God's call to preach to the Ninevites and turned away from God. Jonah deserved death as a punishment for his sin. He came so close to death that a huge fish swallowed him where he stayed for three days and three nights. God kept Jonah safe and gave him time to turn to him and truly evaluate what is most important to him, God's way or his way. He gave him three whole days where there was nothing else to do but pray inside of the fish. He spent three full days praying. But through the grace of God, Jonah was saved from his death. He did not deserve this at all, but God gave this gift of life to Jonah. This story sounds a bit familiar to you. The gospel is foreshadowed and highlighted through the story of Jonah hundreds of years before Jesus came. As humans, we are sinners who disobey the will of God. We deserve death as a punishment for our sinful actions and our sin separates us from God. But Jesus came down to earth, died on a cross to pay for our sin, then rose again three days later. We didn't deserve this, but through God's immense grace, we can be united with Jesus. God could have rescued Jonah in any number of ways, but he chose this specific way because of the effect that it would have on Jonah's heart, but also the importance it would have to the Ninevites. This was a transformative experience for Jonah. The God that he had worshipped had become way more personal to him. He learned in such a personal way that God pursues his people. He chases us in our disobedience. So in chapter 2, we hear about um, Jonah's prayer to God from the belly of the fish. Jonah 2, 1-4 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. So in verse one of chapter two, Jonah acknowledges that he was in great trouble, not just physically being thrown into the ocean, but also spiritually as he was living in sin and on the road to destruction. God answers Jonah in his troubles. Jonah had a near-death experience. From verse 2, we understand that Jonah thought he was dead. As he says, I called to you from the land of the dead. Jonah thought he was a goner because of his sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 2 continues at verse 5. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. But those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So during during Jonah's time in the whale, he prayed this beautiful poem. These words might feel true to you right now or familiar during a storm that you might have faced. Verse 6 in the NIV version says... To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Jonah prayed this whilst he was still in the valley of a fish. God redeemed Jonah from the pit, and he redeems us too through Jesus. Verse 10 says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. God gave Jonah a second chance. The Lord, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Have we disobeyed God knowing what he wants from us? And what was our response to recognising this? Do we still need to turn back to God in that area? God called to Jonah a second time and this time Jonah was obedient. God gave Jonah a second chance to partner with him and live the life that God had for him. Out of Jonah's obedience came the belief of Ninevites to God's message. Obedience results in movements of God. God worked within the hearts of the Ninevites. Chapter 3 continues. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent a decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. God gave a second chance to Jonah to preach to the Ninevites. And through this, he gave the Ninevites a second chance as well. The people of Nineveh took this matter very seriously. They stepped stepped into a period of mourning. And there's some significance in the king wearing burlap. Burlap was like a fabric, kind of like wearing a sack of potatoes. So with this, we see the extent of the Ninevites' sorrow as even the king of Nineveh was wearing this. They collectively turned from their violent and evil ways By God changing their mind about the destruction after they had turned from their wicked ways, God gave Nineveh a second chance. Jonah was not big enough to stop the plans of our almighty God. And we are merely humans, so what makes us think that we can do this as well? We are not big enough to stop God's plans. Although, as sinners, we make mistakes over and over and over again, even they aren't big enough to stop the will of God. Even through our mistakes, God can work and he will work. It might not be in the way that we think or imagine, but he certainly is working regardless of what we or anyone else is doing. God worked through Jonah's mistakes, not in the way that he imagined, but in a way even better. Through Jonah, a whole city was brought to God as well as a group of pagan sailors. Jonah does a bad thing in disobeying the call of God, but we are definitely not superior to Jonah. If we think ourselves above him, then we make the same mistake that he did in how he put himself above the Ninevites and above God's plan. As humans and as sinners, we have all disobeyed the will of God many, many times in our lives, I'm sure. But let's use Jonah's story to shine a mirror onto our lives. We can see the will of God in our lives clearly when we're walking in step with the Lord. We all make mistakes, but God is a gracious God, and we see in Jonah that God is the God of second chances. As we get ready to close, I'd like to summarise what we have covered together and leave you with a few questions to ask yourselves tonight and during the week. So in the start, we covered how Jonah is presented with God's call. We covered how Jonah contradicts his claims and his identity with his actions. How God's immense mercy on Jonah was there. And how God is the God of second chances. I want us to reflect on a few things. But as we do, I want us to sit with the Holy Spirit and ask what he wants us to take away. Do we pride our plan and value what we want above God's will? Does who we say we are contradict our actions? And are we becoming apathetic to God's plans? Or are we aware of the movements of God around us? Let's stop running from God's ways and into the abundant life that God has for us. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for who you are and for who you've made each and every one of us to be. I pray that we can be obedient to where you lead us, Lord. Every, every single day, we can make that decision and that we can just become aware of how you're moving, Lord, around us. Um, I pray that we can just, yeah, we can put you first every day and make that decision, take up our cross daily and follow you, Lord. Yeah, I just thank you for who you are, Lord. And yeah, I pray we can just keep being obedient to you in every way, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.